All right, all right, all right. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the podcast here on this Saturday, June 25th, 2022. Ladies and gentlemen, the reason why I'm starting my podcast right here, excuse the uh, sound of that Mustang, the reason I'm starting my podcast right here is because I'm doing a story about Susan Smith, October 25th, 1994, Susan Smith came to John D. Long Lake boat ramp with her children and drove her vehicle down the boat ramp into the lake. Now, at John D. Long's Lake, they took the boat ramp away because in 1997, a family was looking at the mural on the side of the lake and they drove down the boat ramp themselves and their vehicle, something happened with it and it went on into the lake. So they removed the boat ramp. So I'm not going to assume everybody knows what a boat ramp looks like. So this is a boat ramp. This is not the lake. This is the lake where I, where, where I live at. This is what the boat ramp looks like. So what she mentioned that she did was drive down this boat ramp set her vehicle halfway down the ramp and decided whether or not she was just going to drive into the water instead of doing that she let go of the release brake and let the car go on down the boat ramp into the water so this is exactly what a boat ramp looks like so that's why i wanted to start the video here so without further ado we'll get back into the rest of the we'll get into the rest of the story just wanted to show you guys what a boat ramp looks like and when you get the idea and see me and hear me talking about it at that point you understand exactly what i was talking about let's continue from here guys all right i figured we would start our story there at the lake because i'm not of course able to get to john d long lake and i also wanted to show you guys the boat ramp at which the lake I visited so that it brings you a lot more closer to the story before we begin. So early, early, excuse me, the late 80s, about 1988, Susan is working at Winn-Dixie. At Winn-Dixie, she starts an affair with a married man. That affair quickly comes to an end once Susan starts to involve herself with another gentleman. So early on, we see that Susan likes to bounce from man to man and doesn't hold a relationship with one person. Once that affair ended with the married man, Susan threatened to end her life. So we see that Susan, due to detrimental things happening to her uses suicide as a way out and would use suicide to inflict or think that she's inflicting pain on said person who has just inflicted pain on her. Now, before I go any further, I'm not diagnosing Susan with anything. I'm just talking about what can be happening 
in a situation such as this. As I reference Dr. Grande, if you guys don't know who that is, I implore you to check out his YouTube channel. I also have a bachelor's degree in behavioral analysis with a focus on childhood education, but behavioral analysis is something I also focus on as well, just to give you guys a little background. So once Susan ends the affair, once the affair is ended with the older gentleman and Susan no longer is dealing with the other gentleman she was dealing with. In 1990, she starts a relationship with an with a co-worker by the name of David Smith. David, who is already in a relationship with someone, has to end this relationship once Susan becomes pregnant. Now, their first child was not born until November of 1991. So this child that was born had to miscarry, but it ended a relationship that David was already in. Susan and David continued on dating. And once she got pregnant in November of 1991, her and David got married, not due to the fact that they loved one another and not due to the fact that there was a strong connection just due to the fact that Susan had become pregnant and they decided to get married because Susan's parents had a certain disgust for David. Now, during this time that they're both dating, Susan and David are still cheating on each other. So she's cheating as well as he is. Even after their marriage, they're both continuing to have affairs. So about the summer of 1991, they decide to break up. Susan goes on to continue relationships with other men. Her and David decide to get back together about 1992. And then in 1992 of August, excuse me, 1993, we fast forward a little bit of August, they have their second son, Alex. The first son was Michael. When they have their second son, they decide that they'll try to fix their relationship and get together. Due to them getting back together, Susan leaves when Dixie and she starts a new job. At this new job, Susan quickly moves up to secretary of the CEO at the job. As she moves up to the secretary, she becomes close with the CEO's son, Tom Finley. In January of 93, Susan and Tom Finley start to date. They go on many different dates together. They start having many different functions that they that uh that is put together at work that they attend and they attend these functions together as a couple but they're not a couple so about the summer of 1994 
Tom wants to end things with Susan. Excuse me, guys. They started dating January of 94. The summer of 94, Tom decided that he wanted to end things with Susan. There were things that she had going on that Tom did not like. Now, he appreciated her as a friend, but he did not like other things that she had, some personal things that she had, in which he wanted to end their romantic relationship because of those circumstances. So, once they in their relationship, Susan once again gets back in a relationship with David. But she still has these deep, passionate feelings for Tom. Fast forward to October. In October of 1994, Susan, already since the summer, has been trying to force her hand and get back in a relationship with Tom. This to no avail did not work. So Tom, seeing that Susan consistently and persistent to chase him, decided to write Susan a letter. This after on October 23rd, Susan tried to come to him again and enter into a relationship with him in which he became furious with her pursuits and hence you have the letter. In this letter, Tom explains that Susan is an amazing person and he respects the fact that Susan has given him gifts and that Susan has done things for him that makes him feel very gracious of her friendship. In return, he hadn't been a good person. He hadn't done what she had done for him. And although those things, those gracious things she'd done was enough to make him feel a lot of love and respect for her, they were not enough for him to want a relationship with her due to the fact that she had two children. The children were the biggest problem that she had. He, in such a masterful way, I don't want to say masterful, but in such a decent manner, explained that had she not got pregnant early on in her life, because she went from being a teenager to an early mom and she was not able to successfully attack the things in life she would have been able to attack had she not gotten pregnant so early. So Tom indirectly told Susan she made a mistake by having two children so early. Thus not being able to find a true relationship because she is so mentally disabled. Now at the time, he had also found out about her having an affair with another married man at the job. He mentions this affair in a letter and also mentioned that Susan has these issues 
maybe because of things that happened early in her childhood and many things she has not battled yet. So upon the element of the two children, you also have the fact that you're a serial cheater. So you cheat frivolously and you have these two children. With that said, we can only be friends and I want no nothing other than a friendship from you because you have a lot you have to work on. Now, deeper in the letter, he becomes a little bit more passionate and a little bit more understanding and tries to use a lot more empathy and sympathy towards Susan. But to end the letter saying she needs to get herself together and he's there for any moral support she may need. Now, this wasn't enough for Susan. She wanted him back. And she explained to one of her co-workers that she was deeply in love with Tom, yet he did not love her due to the fact that she had two children. So her main point in the letter was that he pointed out that her life was in distress because of her two children and she would never find happiness because she has this ailment. And she would never be able to be closer to him because of those two children. So this makes us fast forward to October 25th, 1994. Susan arrives at work with the mindset of trying to coerce Tom to get into another relationship conversation with her. However, Tom kicks her out of his office and she goes back to her desk in distress. Her supervisor walks up to her and asks her what's the issue and she expels what I explained to you guys that she's in love with Tom, basically, and Tom does not love her. So Susan decides to leave. When she leaves, she goes to the daycare center to pick up her two sons. When she goes to the daycare center to pick up her two sons, we go a little fast forward throughout the day and, and Susan calls her supervisor to ask her supervisor if Tom had spoken about her. She also expelled to her supervisor that she's gonna tell Tom that she slept with his dad in order to strike back at him. And there we see Susan trying to use manipulative ways to inflict pain once again. So she's thinking now to inflict pain by saying I slept with your father instead of saying I'm going to kill myself if you leave me. But once her supervisor explained that Tom did not mention her, Susan left the house once again. Now, according to Susan, she drove around I got the confession letter. 
But I don't want to read the confession letter to you yet, guys. I want to get to that part. We're going to read it. But according to her, she drove around, went to Walmart, did some shopping to try to clear her mind. She also thought about meeting up with a friend of hers. However, that friend wasn't at home. According to Susan, as she drove around, she stopped at a red light. When she stopped at this red light, she was ambushed by a black man with a gun. This black man told Susan to get out of the vehicle. Oh, excuse me. This black man got in the vehicle and told Susan to drive. While driving, they come upon John D. Long Leak, where this black gentleman kicks her out of the vehicle. She explains to him that her children are in the back and she would like to get them out. But remember, all of this is an account to Susan. The man says to her that she cannot retrieve the children because there's no time. So, in a panic, she left. He drove off. She goes to the home of a couple and their son. And that's where we get this phone call. What kind of car right is it? What we need to know something. We're trying to ask her now. A Mazda protege. What color was it? A burgundy Mazda protege. Get them going, Pam. They got two kids. Okay. okay. That's a black guy, she said. Okay. Black male? Yes, ma'am. Do you know which way? Do, do you know which way he went? The daddy asked if you know which way he went towards... Was he, did he have a gun? Okay, what's he coming back? He's trying to get her out of her now. Did he have any weapons, gun, anything? Did he have a... Look, going towards Chester, did he have a gun or a weapon in there? Did he have a gun? He's got a gun. Got a gun. Yes, ma'am. Hello? Okay. okay. I'm on the way. Okay. Uh, uh, Do we need to me anything? Rick McLeod's my name. Do you need us to tell you anything from our yard or anything? Okay, can you get a tag number out of her? Daddy, see if you can get a tag Now, in that phone call, you hear what's being described by Susan as a man, a black man, forcing her out of her vehicle and taking her children. You also hear the dispatcher ask about a weapon. Yes, he has a weapon. And to dispatch two vehicles or some vehicles because there were children involved. Automatically, the police are in pursuit. While they're in pursuit and on their way to the house, Susan is still in the company of this couple in distress. So they go searching and they search and they search. And as they're searching, we get into the next day. On the next day, this story which started out as something minimal, becomes a nationwide 
search for a black man and two little white kids. Susan then has a press conference pleading and begging for the safe return of her children. Once again. Let's get into that. I wanna say to my babies that your mama loves you so much and your daddy, these whole families love you so much. And you guys have gotta be strong because you are, we, 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 I just know, I just feel in my heart that you're okay, but you gotta take care of each other. And your mom and daddy are gonna be right here waiting on you when you get home. As you see here, Susan puts on a front to be in distress. She wants the public to believe that as a mother, she's in pain and in agony because her children are not safe right now. And if you notice as she's talking, she almost says something, but catches herself and says something else. She, it's, it's almost as though she was about to say, I know you're with God now. If you listen back to that, you would see she's about to say something of that nature, but she decides to change it up as she fumbles over her words. Days go by and there are many different other interviewers who wants to interview Susan and David. That brings us upon this interview. Now, what I'm going to do, I'm not going to let you see the guy asking her questions. I'm just going to let you watch her mannerism as she answers these questions. Um, my first reaction is it, it hurts to know that um, that I would be accused or even thought that I would ever do anything to harm my children. As a mother, it's only a natural instinct to protect your children from any harm. And the hardest part of this whole ordeal is not knowing if your children are getting what they need to survive. and. Um, it, it, it hurt. It hurts real bad. Now, as you see in that interview, as well as the last one I showed you, there's still this act that she's putting on, that she's appearing to try to be hurt. And another part of that you hear, you don't hear, excuse me, the gentleman asks her, their speculation that you are involved with the disappearance of your, with the, excuse me, the abduction of your children or the kidnapping of your children. What do you have to say to that? And that's when you hear her expel the reaction to people speculating that she's involved. Now, somewhere else in another video, I've seen that she mentioned that she would never hurt her children or do anything to her children because a man no longer loves her. Her children 
were her life. Her children were her life. Were. Talking as though they're no longer here. Now, Susan was given a polygraph, a lie detector test, and she was given a couple more in which they all came up deficient. David, he passed with flying colors. But Susan, there was a little bit of speculation in her story and there was a little bit of uh, dishonesty in the way that she came off. So the sheriff decided that he was going to press Susan one more time. And once he pressed her, 